Hi, this is David Orlowski. Welcome to episode three of my new and exciting podcast. Well, uh, I want to first do a little bit of business. Um, some people have said, it was interesting, I got some emails, people said, where's episode two? Episode two went up on Thursday. Just like I said, it's going to go up on every Thursday. Episode two went up. And I told them, you should subscribe. Now, if you watch this on YouTube, there's a little button to subscribe on YouTube. If you go to my website, there's a place to subscribe on my website. If you watch this on tour anytime, you can ask for an alert anytime a new speaker, a particular speaker that you're following, puts it on. So uh, from all these different places, etc., well, we're over 3,000, which is pretty good to start. Like I say, we have just a little less than 7,000 to go to reach my first goal, and uh, that's really exciting. Uh, those people who are interested in uh, sponsorships, we are working on that to be able to get that going, and uh, we want to make sure that everybody has that opportunity to participate in this project because, uh, like I say, this is really me trying to reach out to all of the people who, for whatever reason, want to hear from me, yeah? And like I say, we have our regular shiurim, and on the subject of bits of business, um, I have a trip to the United States coming up, and uh, I just want to tell you about those upcoming events, just so you know about them. And that is the Shabbos of November 2nd and 3rd. <laughs> My producer is, uh, we have audiovisual here. <laughs> the Shabbos of the second and third, I'm going to be the youngest of Houston. Those of you who happen to be in Texas or nearby, uh, certainly welcome to come. Um, Monday night, I'm going to be speaking in Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, would love to see you there if possible. Um, November 6th, I'm going to be speaking in. Flatbush, 1102 Coney Island Avenue for Sister to Sister. Right now, Wednesday and Thursday are still available if you're interested in having me come and speak. Uh, the Shabbos of the 9th, I'm doing a Shabbos uh, in the Syrian community in Flatbush. Um, Sunday, November 11th, I'll be speaking in the five towns for Chazak. Uh, Monday is still open. Um, and uh, Wednesday... No, Tuesday, I'll be speaking for Chazak in Ezra Academy in uh, Forest Hills. Uh, Wednesday night, I'll be speaking in Staten Island. And, uh, and, um, and that's it. And the next Shabbos at this point is still available, the 15th and the 16th. Uh, so I'm going to be going for a while, being in America. If anybody wants to see me live, uh, it's, just like, uh, it's just like this, only I'm bigger. <laughs> I meet people, they say, oh, I watch you on the internet. And I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taller in real life. And they said, no, no, I have a big screen. <laughs> I'm actually small in real life. Um, I try to uh, follow your comments and suggestions. We're still working on a title. The producer has not decided yet which, uh, which title we're going to go with. But somebody suggested that not only should I be sitting in front of Svarim, but I should also have an armchair. So now I have an armchair that I'm sitting in. And... Uh, 
you know, that was, uh, that's going to be paid for by contributions. So, uh, you know, if I, maybe I'll get a taller one, you know what I mean? And, you know, maybe I'll get a haircut while we're doing this. And, uh, you know, who knows what? You know, who, the, the possibilities are endless with the support. Somebody wrote in. Now, most people have not said this. One person said this, and I'm just throwing it out there, you know. They said, you know, when I listen to your regular Shuram, you're really very funny because you have a live audience. But now you don't have a live audience, so I don't think your humor works. So... There's really nothing I can do because I only come in one flavor, and if you don't like it, there's not much I can do. But uh, he suggested bringing in an audience, and um, that's going to be a little hard because this is my living room, and it could be if we get enough sponsorships, then I'll be able to move either to a studio or buy myself a much larger house. And I'm prepared to do either one for you because that's how I care about you. Okay? So, <laughs> all right, that's all of our business. Uh, let's get down. This is Pashas Vayera. And what should we talk about? I was looking this over. There's so many great things to talk about, so many themes. Yeah. Um, there's a. Uh, I was bouncing. There's this, this one that I want to focus on that I think is really interesting. And that's a contrast from last week to this week. I actually gave a share on this once. But, but the contrast of the two stories are, um, I, think, I think, definitely worth a study. Last week, Avraham goes down with Sarah to Egypt. And he says to her, do me a favor and say that you're my sister because otherwise they'll kill me and they'll take you. And that's not going to work out well for everybody. You know, trust me here. So she says, I'm your sister. So Pyro takes her, right? Um, with, uh, with ill intent, yeah? And uh, what was the result? The result was that he got struck with plagues, which is what Paros do best, yeah? And so Paro calls in Avram and says, why did you lie to me? Why did you say she's my sister? What kind of a person does things like this? I almost, look at the, the sufferings we went through because of you. Nothing to say for yourself, huh? Fine, go. And Avram goes. And this week he comes to Avimelech. And Avimelech is a little bit of a different story. He shows up there, and he says, she's my sister, and he takes him, and he didn't do anything. Yeah? And a Kodesh Baruch comes to him in a dream and says, oh, you're going to die because you took this married woman. He says, what do you want from me? I asked him, he said, she's my sister. I asked the, the, his workers, uh, his camel drivers, I said, who's this woman? He said, it's his sister. I checked around. Well, what can I do? Yeah? I, I, did, I did the best that I could. Right? So Kodesh Baruch says, fine, give him back. He's a Navi, he'll dive in for you, you guys will get better, and fine. And he brings in Avraham, and it's sort of the same scene. And he says, how could you do this? What a terrible thing to do. We almost got killed because of you. What a terrible thing. How could you do something like this? And Avraham says nothing. And Avimelech follows through with another sentence, and he says, what did you see in us that made you do this? Now Avraham answers. And he says, I tell you the truth, I came to town. And somebody comes to town, and they're, they're strangers. So what do you ask them? Do you have a place to stay? You know, who, 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 can I get you anything? Do you need food? Do you need, do you need a place to stay? How can we uh, accommodate you? I come to town, they say, who's the girl? <laughs> I said, oh boy. Yeah, this is a place where if the first question they ask you, uh, they don't ask you, they ask you, 
Open parentheses. <laughs> the, uh, there were some people in the town of Betar, which is a community outside of Yerushalayim, and they have Mahadran buses. And evidently, people were coming for Shabbos, and they didn't know they were Mahadran buses, and they were sitting with their, with their wives. And uh, so one Shabbos, the community felt they needed to say something, and they put up big posters, and they wrote to all of the people visiting us for Shabbos, you, please note that our buses are Mahadran buses, and please don't sit with your wife on the buses. Yeah? That's the, that's the post that they put up. Through poor planning, it was Pasha's Vayera. So somebody wrote at the bottom of the poster, a stranger comes to town. Do you ask him about food and lodging, or do you ask him about his wife? <laughs> you understand, timing is everything. I think it's really important. You have to, you have to be careful. Yeah? I might tell the story again when we get to Baloscha, but it's Pasha's Baloscha. And there was a yeshiva here in Yerushalayim years ago. Years ago. This is an old story. You'll see how old the story is. Yeah? And the guys were sitting uh, one day, and they said they used to like going to this restaurant in the Lower East Side called Schmucke Bernstein's. He had deli, he had Chinese, and everybody was talking about what their favorite thing is. And finally one guy said, enough. If you were there right now, what would you order? And he writes down everybody's order. And he says... Would you buy this if you were there right now? The guy says, yes. Would you pay $20 for a delivery charge? He says, yes. So he collects $20 from the 50 buck room, comes to $1,000, and he buys a ticket. And they choose one guy. And his instructions are to go directly to New York, take a cab to Schmucky Bernstein's, put in the order, fill it up, pack up his suitcases, come back to the airport, and bring it back. And they ate like you can't believe. And through poor planning, it was Parsha's Baloischa. <laughs> and the Mashkir gets up and he says, Oi, we remember the boss of Zacharnu as a, as a, as a dog, as a boss of the meat that we ate for Chinem and Chutzlaretz. And he goes on all about this. And then he stops and he goes, Is it true? <laughs> so, point of reference if you're going to send somebody to America to bring you back lots of meat, don't do it on Pasha's Baloscha. And if you're going to make a comment about somebody's wife, don't do it on Pasha's Vayera, right? Okay. So he says, so I was a little nervous. And he says, and you should know, I didn't lie. She goes, she is my sister. She's my half-sister. She's not my complete sister. You're not. Fine. That's the answer he gives Avimelech. How come he answered Avimelech and he didn't answer Pyro? So obviously you see that Avimelech was asking, but it was more than that. It was more than that. I have taught for years in a rabbinical training program. Um, and the area that I deal with is essentially Jewish outreach. I have some experience during my years in Jewish outreach. And um, I, I, one of the courses that I give, one of the parts of the course is how to answer basic questions on Judaism. And we make a list. I have everybody submit their list of questions, and we collate them into sections. And... Um, and uh, I, I add some of my own that I think they need to know how to answer, etc. And we, we deal with, with the, we go through the basic questions in Judaism. But I start by explaining how to answer questions. There's a, there's a way to answer someone's question. The first thing you have to know is to figure out whether it's a question or a statement. And people, and I've seen this many times, 
people feel obligated to answer a statement. Don't answer a statement. Only answer questions. I got an email recently where somebody said to me, I found myself in this situation, and I remember Rabbi Olowski said this, and, and, and this is the, you know, and I always give them this advice. When a person says to you, I think Judaism is, uh, is unfair to women, that's not a question, that's a statement. When a person says, I don't think Judaism is relevant today, yeah, that is a statement. Um, here is one of my favorites. One of my favorites. I've heard this. I've read this. People do this. Nothing anybody says can, it's impossible to prove there's a God, and nothing anybody says is going to convince me there's a God. Go ahead. <laughs> do you know I saw people take the bait? I said, did you hear the man? The man just said, nothing you say is going to convince me there's a God. Go ahead. But it doesn't matter what you say, because at the end, the person's going to go, I'm not convinced. Of course he's not convinced. Because he already told you he's not going to be convinced. There was a reformed rabbi who once wrote a whole book on how nobody can prove the existence of God. And somebody sent me a copy of the article, not the book, but the article about the book, and said, why don't you write to him and explain to him? I said, the man just wrote an entire book about how nobody's going to prove to him there's a God. You think I'm going to say something to him and he's going to go, oh, I guess there's, I guess uh, I was wrong. Let me, let me bring back all the copies of my book. He wrote a book about it. I used to say there's three types of people who ask questions, right? There are people whose entire life is dedicated to a question, and there is nothing you're going to say that is going to answer them because that's their whole existence. Their whole existence is wrapped up in this question. And it's amazing how I've, I've met people who, you know, I'll give an answer on something and they'll say, well, that's rather simplistic. And I said, okay, what's your objection to it? I can't, I can't even begin to explain. I can't even begin to explain because it's so complicated. I said, try, I'm, you know, you know, I was, I was pretty smart, you know. People have, people have said I'm pretty smart. You know, try me, try me, let's hear your arguments. Well, I can't, I can't even begin. <laughs> of course I can't begin to explain it to you because if you answer my question, you have removed my entire existence. My entire existence is only on a question. I don't like to quote secular sources, but... Uh, on the Princess Bride, there was this character in Tia Montoya, and his, his byline was, you killed my father, prepared to die. <laughs> his entire life was dedicated to finding his father's murderer. That was it, for revenge. Eventually he finds him, and he kills him. So at the very end, so the hero says to him, what are you going to do now? And he says, I've dedicated my entire life to revenge. It doesn't leave you many options. <laughs> That's it. My whole life was spent on this one thing, finding this guy and killing him. Now what do I do? What do I do now? Yeah? And, and this is an amazing thing because you find this all the time, you know? Um, this, this is something that bears another discussion. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about this at a different time, but it's just I'm bringing this as a, as a sort of a throwaway idea just to show you this, you know? I know older singles who are read a guy and they say, this guy is not for me on any level. Sometimes they even go with the guy and they say, oh, terrible, not for me, not for me. And their sister marries him. And they're so angry. Why should my sister, look at this, my sister got married. Goes, but you didn't want this guy. <laughs> he wasn't for you. You knew he wasn't for you. Doesn't matter. Well, you see, sometimes people get divorced. Now, 
very often, when somebody divorces somebody, it's because they don't like them. Often, they don't like them a lot. Yeah? And then, at some point, their ex gets remarried, and they're furious. Why should he be happy? What do you care? We got rid of him. You don't want him. <laughs> you threw him out. I forgot which card game it is. What is it? Maybe it's rummy. You know, uh, you know, you you try to you're collecting like you you're trying to get fours. You know what I mean? You throw out a four of spades and somebody takes it. You throw out the next card and somebody takes it. And you get so angry, but you didn't need those cards. <laughs> they weren't helping you. And you threw them away. What do you care if somebody else took it? You know, but. That's it. So, so somehow we remain so invested and so wrapped up in things that are from our past. Yeah. But like I say, that's a whole nother discussion. There's, there's a lot more to say about that. But be that as it may. Yeah. Um, when, a, when a person, um, uh, when, when, a, when a person, his entire life is dedicated to a question, then there are people who are seriously interested in getting an answer to a question. They'll read a book, they'll go to a course, uh, they'll uh, listen to a series of shiurim. They're really interested in this question and they will pursue it. The remaining uh, 98% of people ask questions and could care less about the answer. And uh, tell me if this has ever happened to you, because it's happened to me and I've seen it happen to other people. Somebody asks you a question and they, they say it with a lot of passion. And it happens to be a question you actually know the answer to. And you start giving them the answer, and they get this sort of like bored look on their face, you know. And it sometimes they even say, stop lecturing me. And you're surprised because you asked me the question. That's because you thought they cared. They don't care about the question. Most people don't even care about the question. I, I, I used to work in, in yeshivas where they used to have an Ask the Rabbi session. They stopped. Now it's stump the rabbi. Posing questions that would cross a rabbi's eyes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want the answer. I just want a question. And people who ask questions, they don't care about the answers. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. You find this in the Gemara many times. A tzaduki or somebody like that asks a question, and the Chacham give an answer. And the Gemara says, okay, but what's the real answer? <laughs> it's a dichoy. It's a you knock it off. It doesn't really answer the question. I was uh, I was in a car with Reb Moshe. I was driving Reb Moshe Shapiro, and uh, somebody who was in the car wanted to wanted Reb Moshe to appreciate who I was. It's always a bad idea. <laughs> There's nothing to be gained from that. But he wanted Reb Moshe to appreciate who I am, so he tells over one of my little exchanges. Yeah, where. Uh, this girl asks me, uh, do you allow women to learn Gemara? I said, now, by the way, it may sound like a question, but that's really a statement. If you listen to it, do you allow women to learn Gemara? I said, I don't allow or disallow anything. For those of you who are just listening, I'm smiling broadly. Because does it bother you when women learn Gemara? You see, now I'm going to get into your emotional makeup. I said, no, it doesn't bother me, but most things don't bother me. <laughs> so now she says, if a girl would ask you, should she learn Gemara, what would you tell? Oh, that's a question. And I said to her, quite honestly, what do you care? 
you obviously think girls should learn Gemara, right? She says, right. I said, so why are you asking me? I just want to hear what you want to say. No, you don't. You want to argue with me, perhaps? You want to fight with me, perhaps? You want to use me to bring your view across this was in a public setting? But you don't care what I have to say. Because if you cared what I had to say, then you'd come over and ask me a question. Yeah? So, uh, so she says, no, no, I'm sure there's people who want to ask. Fine. I said, the Gemara says, for a girl to learn a Gemara, it's Tiflis. So, uh, now, however you understand Tiflis, it's not a good thing. Nobody suggests that Tiflis is a good thing. Call, translate it any way you want. So she says to me, well, the Gemara was talking about a different time, and it was different things, and it was different people, and this, and that, and that. It doesn't apply today. I said, so when the Gemara talks, it doesn't understand women, right? It's not modern, right? Then what do you want to learn it for? Now, that more or less answered, you know, basically settled the discussion. Now, <laughs> without, without going into the pros and cons of my answer or my discussion, which doesn't really matter, I've been criticized for this from time to time, but, you know, um, I don't really care. But, uh, but it's, the, the idea is, is, is a clever observation. That's all. I just wanted to be clever because, you know, does it answer the question? It doesn't really answer the question. Yeah. So this fellow says it over to Ramesha in my name. I'm sitting there. Keeping my eyes on the road. <laughs> so Ramesha turns and he says, <laughs> You understand, that's not the real answer. And I said, yes, yes, I understand. It was a dichoy. Yeah? When a, person, when a person is just asking, so then, yeah, you know, circumcision is barbaric. I said, no, it's not. Barbarians don't do it. You know how many times that answer has stood? <laughs> no, by the way, that's not the answer. <laughs> that's not the answer. It's a dichoy. It pushes it off, you know? And I, it's always a yeshiva guy who says, oh, I read in uh, National Geographic about this tribe in Africa that does things. I said, shkoyach, you found the barbarian. <laughs> who does it, you know? Is that the point, you understand? Because that's not the real answer, obviously. When you're trying to understand Prismila, it doesn't really make a difference whether barbarians do it or not, yeah? But when a person's not really interested, so when a, person, when a person poses a question, yeah, so most people don't even care about the question. Forget about the answer. I, I, it's it's mind-boggling, boggling, yeah, mind-boggling. <laughs> I could speak English if I had. I've, I've been living in Israel now for 30 years. I haven't gained any Hebrew, but I've been forgetting my English. But... Um, uh, it's uh, mind uh, mind confusing that um, that uh, that a person will ask a question. Goes, do you really think Judaism is relevant today? Yes. Really? Yes. Thought it wasn't. No, it is. Oh. Uh, how come Judaism is, is 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 so unfair to women? It's not. It's not. No. I thought it was. Nope. Okay. None of that answers the questions. But if you don't care about the question, can you prove there's a God? Yes. Really? Yeah, I thought you can. Yeah, I can. You want to hear it? No. <laughs> it's just enough to know there is an answer. I don't even have to know what the answer is. You know? Because I don't care that much about the question. It's a famous story from Itzel Kharif, where he goes down to the yeshiva in Velazhin to find a, a husband for his daughter. And he asks the kasha. And everybody comes over and tries to give a tarots, and he slugs them all up. And uh, there's nobody there. Okay, he gets in his carriage to ride away, and one barchov runs after. And he says, 
you have a terrorist? He goes, no, forget about your daughter. What's the answer? He says, that's who I want for my daughter. I don't have to know the answer, but I have to care about the answer. I have to care. Most people don't care. Because most people do what most people do, because that's what most people do. And this is one of my yesoidists, and I say it over all the time, and it remains true. Most people do what most people do, because that's what most people do. And I'm not arguing the pros and cons of whether or not what they're doing is right or wrong. Rav Ruderman, Zatzal, Shiva of Neyisrael, tells the story that when he was in uh, Europe during World War I, he saved up his money, penny by penny, to buy himself a pair of tzitzis. Now, I don't know if his tzitzis were puzzle. He didn't have tzitzis. He just wanted to I don't know any of the details. This is how I heard the story. I'm telling it over. And he went to show it to his Rebbe, the Alta of Slobotka, and he says, look, Rebbe, I bought a new pair of tzitzis. And the Alta looks at it and he says, maybe you should have given the money at Stucker. That's World War I. People don't have food to eat. You know? So when Rav Ruderman tells over this story in America, everyone starts nodding. Sure. And Rav Ruderman says, nay, 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 you missed the point of the story. If I would have said to him, Rebbe, I saved up my money, I gave it to Tzedakah, he would have said to me, maybe you should have bought a pair of tzitzis. Because are you thinking or are you just doing what everybody does? Yeah. When I used to teach in seminary, I messed up many, many girls. So like they'd go out on a date and the boy says, I want to learn, learn long term. And, and the girl would say, why? And the guy would get all flustered because everybody learns that that's what you do. Because everyone does what everyone does. I had a student, she was getting married. And she went to a well-known Sheitomacher. Now, this story is years old, and I don't know if it's still true, but this is Maisa Shahoyan. Went to a well-known Sheitomacher, and she starts giving her the Sheitel, and she starts pulling out some of her bangs in the front. And the girl says, no, 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 I want it all covered. She says, no, no, this is how they wear it today. She says, I understand, but I want it all covered. And she started to yell at her. Should I tell you which Rabbitsons wear it like this? Should I tell you which Rashi Yeshivas wife wear it like this? You're firmer than everybody. Just do what everybody does, because that's what everybody does. Why are you stopping to think? This is a scary thing. Well, I'm going to talk about this more. This is one of my, one of my favorite topics to talk about. But Most people ask questions, they don't really care about the answers. Yeah? So when a person asks me a question, that's a statement. That's a statement. I say, oh. It's the most neutral answer I could come up with. I don't think Judaism is relevant today. Oh. I think Judaism is that. Oh. I think all these rabbis are that. Oh. <laughs> and that's fine. Because most people don't care about what you have to say. It's, it's an absolutely amazing thing. When I was younger, I used to think that everybody wants to hear what I have to say. The older I get, I realize that there are so few people who really care what you have to say. You know? And... and Sometimes people ask you a direct question, and it's clear that they don't care what you have to say. Girl asked me the following question, and I'm not getting into the answer. I want you to understand the question. Just listen to the question. This girl says to me, I love playing basketball, and I only get my fulfillment from playing basketball. And I can't play with the, the girls, because girls don't know how to play basketball. Yeah? Whether this is true or not, whether this is sexist or not, I really don't care. I'm telling you a story, all right? Keep all the angry emails. 
save them for something else. Anyway, I'll say enough controversial <laughs> things before we're done. <laughs> anyway, so she says, uh, um, you know, I, uh, I was, uh, I, I can't play with girls. So I play with the boys. You know, but Jewish boys can't play basketball either. Yeah, they're not to play basketball either. Jackie Mason once said, he says, affirmative action. He says, if a black can get into college with a lower SAT score, then a Jew should be able to play basketball with a lower net. <laughs> it should be the regular net, and then it should be a little short one that the Jew could walk over and drop the ball in. <laughs> this is the, the, the boys can't, the, the Jewish, Jewish kids, the Jewish boys can't play basketball. So I would go down to the schoolyard, and I would play, you know, with the blacks and Puerto Ricans who were playing you know, uh, basketball, and they were very good, and they let me play because I was so good. Anyway, I came to seminary, and I mentioned this to one of my rabbis, and one of my rabbis says, you can't play with, you know, non-Jewish boys. It's not snares. You can't do it. She says, but that's the only way I find my fulfillment. He says, awful peking. You can't do it. So I asked another rabbi. He also told me I can't do it. But that's the only way I find my fulfillment. So she says to me, so what should I do? And I said, it's a very hard question. I'll have to, I'll have to research it. I'll have to look into it. And she would come over to me periodically throughout the year, and she'd say, did you find an answer yet? And I said, no, not yet. And finally, somebody overheard this conversation and said, what's the question? I told him the question. He goes, why is that a hard question? I said, because she can't hear the answer. The hardest questions to answer are the ones that you can't answer. I'm going to tell you, Maisa Shahaya. I have a dear friend who is the Rav of the Aguda of the Five Towns. Yeah, uh, Rav Yitzchak Frankel Shlita. And he's a Muslim from Moshe. And uh, Moshe Feinstein. And evidently somebody printed, this. he told me this story. I, 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 I hope it was for publication. If not, I apologize. Um, but uh, it's just between us. It's only a few thousand people. And... Um, And uh, he, somebody had printed a speech that Moshe Feinstein gave to the Tziria Gudis Yisrael uh, about how you're not allowed to go to college. So he says, that's ridiculous. We all went to college. So I went to Reb David. I said, look what they put out the name of Reb Moshe. He says, yeah, Reb Moshe made the speech. He says, he was against college? He says, yeah. He says, but we all went to college. He says, and Reb David looked at me and said, Frankel, and if we would have told you not to go, would you have listened? Pyro asked the question, but he didn't want an answer. And Avram understood that. So, shook his head, said, oh, and he left. Avimelech asked the question. He was angry. Avram didn't answer. And then he says, help me understand what you were thinking. Oh, you really want an answer? Then I'll give you an answer. There are people who ask us questions, and sometimes the questions are not really a question, they're a confrontation. And what we need to do is just recognize it for what it is. And if you're being challenged, the best thing to either say is nothing or oh. Have a great Shabbos, everybody. I hope to see you in America. And if anybody wants me for those available dates, um, you can contact me through my website, rarialowski.com, and hope to see you then. Thank you.